Hello and welcome to this episode of Design Your Legacy. I'm Rosanna, your host and founder of fine jewellery company Rosanna Croft Jewellery. Design Your Legacy is a podcast which I hope can inspire you to think about the legacy that you're leaving behind, the change that you want to make in the world by living your life meaningfully. Today I speak with Kerry Gregory, founder of Gemology Rocks, qualified and extremely knowledgeable gemologist and all-around badass, no BS woman. I met Kerry through my love of gemstones and desire to learn more about gemology. We hit it off straight away. I was very attracted to her no BS style and we had some wonderful Zoom conversations in the first lockdown. Um, So I'm very excited to bring you this episode. We speak about the power of being authentic, learning who you are and what you stand for and acting on that instead of who you think you should be. We speak about non-traditional marriage and being a not-wife, as well as some of the wonderful jewellery in the world, including that in her treasure box. There are some wonderful and really relatable stories to be heard in this episode, so I really hope that you enjoy it. Hello, Kerry. It is so great to have you finally on the Design Your Legacy podcast. Welcome. How are you? I'm really good. No one will be able to see me blushing for the amount of times I've said to you, I'm so sorry, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm so pleased to be here with you as well. And I'm so sorry for being so rubbish and going, oh my God, can we do it next time? Can we do it next time? It's delightful to see you as well. So exciting. I know. I feel like you've you've been a tricky one to pin down, but this is going to be an amazing conversation. I can just feel it. Um, so to introduce yourself to our listeners, can you just explain a little bit about your role in life and why you do it? OK, um, I suppose my role in life, that's quite a broad question, isn't it? I'm sure that you ask it that way specifically because I have a number of roles in life. Uh, probably professionally, which is probably what always comes first with me, which uh, my family probably aren't happy about. Professionally, I run my own business, which is Gemology Rocks, which is gemology education that rocks. Essentially, we try and fill the gap in the market for real life, hands on practical education about gemstones, diamonds, metals, etc. that people can actually use in their business. Aside from that, other roles that I have, I am mother to Jake, who is 18. He's very much an 18-year-old boy, um, and I despair sometimes because he's so like me, it's painful, and I was absolutely awful at 18. I'm also stepmother to Georgina, who is 17. I am not wife to Andrew Lawrence, and that's Oh, and I'm friends to other people. What other roles do I have? I do bits and pieces in the industry where I'm on committees, boards and stuff like that. And that's probably, oh, aside from my family, that's probably <laughs> all my roles in life, I think. I God, if I've forgotten somebody, I'm going to be in trouble, aren't I? Yeah, you are, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure you can just make it up, buy them a drink after. Yeah, 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 it be fun. I like that you've kind of mentioned all your roles because it's we are so much more than our professional life even though that's how you and I have met through the jewellery industry we are so much more than what we do as a career so I believe um so uh, it's not always sometimes it is all I am I have to say absolutely but yeah we should be more than our careers well, this is it. I think there's so there's so much life has to offer. We are more than our careers and our careers help us um, with a 
have a nice quality of life I think if we enjoy our career which we both do most of the time talk to me about not wife I like that okay so this is something so Andrew and I actually got together when he was married to somebody else and but very very early on it was he was he wasn't very happy at the time um so I wasn't breaking up a marriage and I I knew he was married he it was sort of done on a very sort of you know eyes wide open thing and I I had kind of gone into it and I know this sounds awful it makes me sound like a terrible person but I had kind of gone into it in into a sort of oh well this might be a bit of fun type thing knowing that he wasn't desperately happy I was really not desperate to settle down at that point I'd not long got out of a very serious relationship with my son's father and so I was really quite enjoying being single I met Andrew and thought that's great he could slot in on a Tuesday because I was already seeing some other people at the same time um but it became very very clear very quickly that it wasn't a bit of fun you know this this was something really serious we were very serious about each other we've now been together nine and a half years uh we we live together etc we shared um our children so both of our children live with us full-time and have done for seven years now um, so you know, it's 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 a it's a committed relationship, blah blah blah. But I am um, he every time he puts his socks on in the morning, um, he used to play rugby, so he's quite damaged in a number of different ways, love him. And so he can't put his he can put one of his socks on stood up, and the other one he can't put on stood up and he has to kneel on the floor. So literally every time he would put his sock on, he would go down on one knee, and every time he would do it, I'd go, no. And like people around us would all be like, when he actually does go down on one knee one day, you're going to say yes. And I'm like, you don't know me at all then, if that's what you think. I, I'm not marrying this man. I don't want to get married. And so some of it was Andrew has already been married twice. And I'm like, well, he's already messed it up twice. He's, he's not very good at it. Also, I had an affair with a man. So I have absolute cast iron proof that he's a philanderer and a cheat. Why would you marry somebody like that? But it was also down to other things. Like some of it was like feminist principles around marriage. Marriage, and I apps, and this is the thing is I really believe in marriage. I have really strong views about it. And I have utmost respect for anybody who gets married. But it has always traditionally been a contract where one man gives his possession of this woman away to another man to possess this woman, which is one of the reasons why we wear veils so that the man can't see us until he's accepted us in this contract, blah, blah, blah. So that was one reason. And the other reason was I I made a lot of changes in my life, probably 10, 12 15 years ago in that sort of period where I became very true to myself, but also very true in everything that I did. And I really didn't want to lie. And I didn't want to stand up in front of my friends, my family, whatever God you believe in and say, I am going to be with this man for the rest of my life, no matter what, because I didn't want to say something that could potentially be a lie. And I know most people go into marriage thinking that it's going to be for life. But basically, if he pisses me off next year, I'll leave. (laughs) you know I'm not going to stay in a miserable relationship so I can't promise to be with him forever so very early on in our relationship we talked about having a not uh, I'm not marrying him I'm keeping him party um, which would have just been a bit like a wedding party but without the wedding and then when they brought in civil partnerships for heterosexual couples in 2019 I want to say um, I just I said shall we just do that 
you know, that's that's what we wanted all along. It makes it official. So that's what we did. We had a not wedding. We discussed that that's what we were going to do. And then one morning at 8.23 in the morning, whilst I was drying myself in the gym, having been swimming, I decided that that's what I was going to do. And by 9.45, I had told everybody, I had booked the register office, I had inquired with the restaurant, and by 3.45 in the afternoon, I just organised the whole thing. That's what wow. I wanted to do. Wow. I think yeah. just hearing that, which is amazing. And I think there are a lot of people who would probably agree with your views and principles around marriage. It's a real, I'm probably one of them. I I would look, I love the romantic notion of getting married to somebody and it being forever. However, past experience has shown that's not the case. And um, not, not that I have ever been married, but like seeing marriages fall apart, but then also seeing really strong marriages, it's, kind of it, it, it's my I, I'm the jury's out for me on marriage and also with the feminist principles of I am nobody's possession you cannot give me away I think I definitely yeah. if I did get married I'd definitely walk myself down the aisle but again I don't know so I think there'll be a lot of people who agree with you on that I, I, I love that well, I also think that you know marriage has changed weddings have changed and so you can do those things and you can you can make it be yours so yeah. you could walk down the aisle with your father or whoever and instead of them giving you away they're in, they're accompanying you on that journey yeah. And so there's ways that you can do those things and even just a slightly different mindset about it, like take again, taking the power back for something, yeah. you know, and going, actually, I am going to do this, but I'm going to do it my way because we, we, you know, we don't live in 1066 anymore or whatever. And, and marriage has evolved and marriages have evolved. Yes, absolutely. And I think we're very fortunate to have that freedom to be able yes, to absolutely. whatever. Yeah, we live in a very, very... Um, for fortunate time so back on to the professional roles we have in life um can you tell us briefly about where how you got to where you are today because I know you have lots and lots of experience in gemology and within the in the jewelry industry as a whole so over to you yeah, I mean, it started when in jewellery when I was 19 years of age. At the time, I was working in a pub. I was the assistant manager of a pub, but the manager was on long-term sick leave. So I could never be the licensee till I was 21, but I was essentially running this pub, 19 years of age, with 26 members of staff. <laughs> it was absolutely manic. Um, I got paid for 40 hours a week. Um, doesn't matter how much overtime you did, that's all you got paid. I would do a minimum of 70 a week. And in the end, I just got I loved it, but I just got fed up with the the lack of appreciation, I think. It wasn't to do with money. It was to do with the fact that no one cared how hard you worked, you know, and, and you did work really hard. And I loved my team. I loved the job. I, I, you know, I loved the customers, all of that. But in the end, you just get fed up with no one ever saying thank you or you've done a good job. But I had also been expelled from um, sick form. Um, so I'd never gone to university. I'd never got any qualifications. I'd got some GCSEs and a couple of AS levels that I'd managed to do before they kicked me out. But I also had moved out from home when I was um, about two days after my 17th birthday. So I didn't didn't live at home. I needed a job. I needed to pay my bills. But I also knew at that point I'd sort of grown up just a tiny amount, enough to know that I, I needed a career, not a job. I needed to not go from job to job to job. I needed something that I could develop in, et cetera. I had also previously worked in a solicitor's office, which I despised. I, um, I just hated in a solicitor's office. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it really wasn't me. I just didn't like the 
the the the bitchiness, the little cliques, the you know all of that. It just really, really wasn't me. Um, so I knew I didn't want to work in an office environment. So I thought, well, I know I'll do something like be an estate agent or be a travel agent, something where I can do you know professional qualifications. Um, and I saw this advert for the jewelers, and I just thought, yeah, I'll have a crack at that. Um, and so I did, and I went in. Um, I worked in a small independent jewelers in Newport in South Wales. Um, within a month of starting there, he said, "Did I want to study gemology?" And I did. I started doing my at that time it was called preliminary in gemology with Gem A, and I just fell in love. You know, like previous to that, if you'd said to me, "Were you interested in gemstones? Were you interested in jewelry?" I would have said no. But when I look back, actually, when I was a child playing on the beach, I always used to play with rocks. Yeah. always played with the rocks, always sieved the rocks, raped the rocks, you know, really, really interested in rocks. And when I got my first job, when I was 12, as a waitress, I used to spend all my wages, as soon as I finished work on a Saturday, half of it in Crunch's sweet shop opposite me, where I used to buy these horrendously expensive Belgian chocolates. Um, <laughs> I've always had ridiculously spoiled tastes. And then the other half in a crystal shop up the road where I used to buy crystals. And so I have always been interested in it. I just didn't realise. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. That's so fascinating because they say if you want to find your passion in life, look at what you did as a child. Look at what you played with. Look at the games you used to play. I used to collect crystals as a child. You know, there's little. Well, I tell you, one of the first places I I got a little like vial filled with little gemstones was at the National Stone Centre in well in Derbyshire, but it's actually near. Yesterday, you mentioned. Sorry, yesterday on our gemology course, you mentioned um, Chris Sellers and it's near where he's yeah. his workshop. So I used to collect the little vials of crystals. And yeah, how interesting. So you did your gemology course and... Yeah. Then what? Well, so I did I did preliminary in gemology. I then wanted to do a diamond grading course that at the time the NAJ ran that was in Antwerp. And I said to my boss, I wanted to do this course. And he said, I'll pay half and you pay half. However, if you get yourself in the local paper, I'll pay for all of it. So I did. I got myself in the local paper, uh, an article about me getting my gemology qualification. Um, and Julie went off to Antwerp, signed up to this course, went and did it, um, did this um, diamond grading course, three-day diamond grading course um, in Antwerp, which was amazing and then shortly after that we parted ways the people the, the the guy that I was working for at the time I then went to work for somebody else in Cardiff in a much much bigger business still family-run business um, but we used to do buying and selling over the counter we had our own workshops where we had two full-time goldsmiths a part-time diamond setter two full-time watchmakers a full-time clock maker you know really really great business to work in and when I was there, I did my diamond qualification. I started doing valuations. I started teaching gemology. And it just, and then it, it went from there. I worked there for a few years. I then went in between the sort of finishing with my, my child's father and coming to sort of a natural ending point in the jewelers that I was in. Like everything sort of came to a head where I just needed needed that massive change that I was talking about earlier, where I suddenly became very true to myself, etc. And I then went to work for LMG, the loss management group, um, who work in insurance replacement. I went to work for them for two and a half years, um, which I also loved. It was a really great team. I'm still really in touch with loads of people in the business. Um, And whilst working for them, got headhunted by Harvey and Thompson pawnbrokers to go and work for them. And that was a process that took six months from me first going to interview for for them to them creating a role for me and me eventually going to work for them Um, and I went and worked for them for exactly six years before I started my own business. 
Amazing. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, I've just realized as we're talking, not everybody who listens to this is in the jewelry industry or knows they people may not know what gemology actually is so can you just give a a, a quick intro to gem not quick intro to gemology explain gemology <laughs> a little bit for me <laughs> yeah I mean I suppose the the, def, the, def, the basic definition of gemology is the identification of gem materials including um, origin treatment um, genesis, that sort of thing. So essentially, it's looking at and testing, learning about the science, the theory and the practical side around gemstones as to how to observe them, how to look at their features, how to use a number of different pieces of testing equipment, which is usually using light in a number of different ways to be able to ascertain whether this is a natural or a man-made gemstone, whether it has any treatments applied to it, um, and also to a certain extent to be able to value it. But most gemology courses actually don't don't cover valuation it's actually down to that identification of the material and what I love is well for starters people listening will realize that there is so much more to gemstones than what you actually than the sparkly thing on your finger but I, I love that it's a it's a science now at school I hated anything that I loved art I loved graphic design and I loved writing I loved anything where I could make stuff up I hated science I was actually quite good at it anyway I just didn't like school in general (laughs) (laughs) but now I'm I love gemology I love learning more about gemstones and this is how we met a year ago throughout the first lockdown was because you ran a webinar and I've I followed it and then we got chatting and now I'm doing one of your courses about gemstones for jewelry designers. Um, and I, I just, I find it fascinating, not only all the information and education I'm getting from you, but also the fact that I'm actually interested in a science. I love it. <laughs> Good. Well, and I mean, hopefully that's one of the things that I think we do really well as a business is that we don't just look at, um, we don't go, let's write this course and sell it to people. One of the things that we do is we start at the beginning and go, what do people need? What is missing out there? What do people need? What will actually add value to them, to their lives, to their business? But also, how can we make it accessible? And that's not just about making it accessible in terms of can people turn up? It's about making it accessible to different learning styles. It's about making it accessible to different budgets and about making it interesting. So you continue to do it. You get value out of that. You enjoy doing it. And hopefully you retain that information so much more because it's delivered in an entertaining informative way where actually you know you like turning up to class and I, and I, hopefully it doesn't feel like class it doesn't feel like class for me teaching it and I don't and I don't think it feels like class for most of the people being there it is just a kind of a you know a fun mystery tour through gemstones on a, <laughs> on a, on a weekly fortnightly basis a fun mystery tour it certainly is I mean I I love it I've learned so much so can you um, you've mentioned that there was a point in your life where you went through a bit of a change and you realised that you needed to be more true to yourself. Can you explain a bit more about what you mean by being a bit more true to yourself? Because it sounds like this had a massive impact on where you went in your career and in your roles in life. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, I think some of it coincided with being about 30 years of age as well. And something I've noticed as I've got older is like, you know, if you'd asked me when I was 18, did I care what people thought about me? I would have said no, but I absolutely did. You know, in my 20s, did I care what people thought about me? 
Yes, but not as much. When I got to about 30, I think I really stopped caring what people thought about me. And I don't mean anybody. I mean, well, actually, I I probably still didn't even do it then. I think it was probably when I got to 40 when I finally went, do you know what? I'm only dealing with people that add value to my life. And that's what it is. It's not about not caring about other humans. It's not about not caring about other people. It's about not caring about the people who you shouldn't be caring about, the people who you don't have balance with. And I think that's that's the main thing. I mean, all of it sort of came to a head because I I was very unhappy in my personal life, in my relationship. Um... And so that sort of was the catalyst for a number of different changes. And I'd always, again, like my my attitudes about marriage were always really, really traditional. And I wasn't married to my son's father. And that was something that always kind of bothered me a little bit because it wasn't, you know, the way that I was brought up and the way that you're supposed to do things and all of that, you know, whatever you believe in. Um, And I just and I I I just wasn't honest about the fact that I was totally miserable. You know, I wasn't honest with my partner. I wasn't honest with those things. And so there was lots of things that I did in my life that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. For instance, I cheated on my ex-partner, which I absolutely am am so not happy with myself about doing that. I wish I'd just left, but I didn't because I thought it was more important for my child to have two parents than for me to be happy. And I just sort of realized that that was ridiculous that actually the relationship that I had was detrimental to my son and it was better for us to be apart and for him to have a non-traditional family and for both of his parents to be happy and and that sort of thing and so I just sort of really whilst I was never a dishonest person before there was a couple of things in my life where maybe I wasn't completely honest about even showing myself and being my true self. Mm. And I just suddenly thought, do you know what? I'm not lying anymore. If people don't like it, they don't have to like it. As long as I'm not doing something that harms other people, if people don't like who I am and what I am, they're probably not my people. Um, And so I just became, and it's it's a word that's bandied around a lot. And I almost feel a little bit sick in my mouth using it, you know, became authentic. You know, it's this good old marketing word, but it, it was just, I just was me. Yeah. I just stopped pretending to be somebody else or trying to be the person that I thought other people wanted me to be yeah. or what have you. And just went, do you know what? I'm going to try being me. And then I realized that actually me wasn't too bad. You know, I was, I'm, I'm quite a nice person. I'm quite a good person. There's lots of stuff about me that's not great. Absolutely. But there's lots of stuff about me that is great. And so why not just be me? Because it's exhausting trying to be somebody else. It's exhausting lying to yourself about who you are and what you are. And so I just decided... Not to, basically. Something so powerful in that because we do, we all want to be one of a human's greatest fear is that we won't be loved. Everybody has this fear that we won't be loved and then we'll be alone. And that's why we often alter how we act, how we talk, our beliefs. We aren't true to ourselves. And I think when you come to that realisation that actually no, this is what I want. This is how I want to live my life. There is something really, really powerful in that. Yeah, and I think it was it was a shortly after that time was when I when I met Andrew. And Andrew is absolutely somebody who I am totally myself with all the time, even if it's stuff that annoys him, even if yeah. it's stuff that he doesn't like. Because I, I, I was very determined not to change for somebody else. That doesn't mean that I don't make compromises. Absolutely, you know, if there's something that I do, that is is causing him pain or that he really doesn't like, we'll discuss it and we'll talk about it. There's some stuff that's not negotiable. It's like tough. You do stuff that annoys me. I'm not asking you to change that. And so it, it's about that constant communication and about 
you know, if I was doing something that was unreasonable and, and someone could, could point out to me that I was being unreasonable, <laughs> absolutely, I would change. And um, if I was doing something that was unreasonable, I thought was, un- was, was reasonable, would I change? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing that you can do about that. But, you know, I, I'm absolutely, I'm, and I'm absolutely myself everywhere, I think. There's different, there are, like I said earlier about my different roles, I'm not the same person with my son, Jake, than I am with Andrew, than I am with my with my my best friend, than I am in an industry. That's not that it's not me, but those are the different facets of me. Yeah. I'm still absolutely Kerry, whichever Kerry you get, but there's just lots of bits of me. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I love that different facets, pun intended. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. I believe that we all leave a legacy, whether we realise it or not. What does the word legacy mean to you? I suppose when I think about legacy, it's something that is left behind after you've gone, really, like in its most basic form. That's what it means to me. And it could be in a number of different ways. You know, you can leave a legacy for someone financially. You can leave a legacy for somebody um, in terms of what you've passed on to them, whether they knew you or not. And you can leave a legacy in things like your actions and things like that. So there's a number of different ways that you can leave it. But basically, it's what's left behind when when you're not here anymore. Amazing. So not many, when I ask these questions, not many people have actually thought about the legacy that they want to leave behind. Um, have you put much thought into it? Yes. Not because you asked me, but because I think about it all the time. Amazing. I would love, and this is going to be really arrogant, but I would love to be one of those people who people read about in gemology textbooks. Yes. That is one thing. Like, I remember when I was studying gemology, I read about Alan Hodgkinson. And then when I met Alan Alan Hodgkinson, I was literally like a teenager at like a pop concert. I was like, (laughs) oh my God, it's Alan Hodgkinson. He's so amazing. And he was so lovely. I, I absolutely adore Alan. We are firm friends now. I've known him for a number of years and I absolutely adore him. But I've learned so much from him and there's so many techniques that he's produced in the, in what we do that I love. And so from, from, from my profession, I would love that people read about me in gemology textbooks. I did something amazing. But further to that, in, in my business, I would love that my legacy is that I made a difference to other people yeah. in their career, in their path with gemology. That's would be amazing to me yeah amazing and and I have to say that from knowing you for the last 12 months I can see that you are making waves in the jewelry industry like you definitely are everybody that I've spoken to who knows you speaks so highly of you (laughs) your head's you're not going to be able to fit through the door on the way home but (laughs) but speaks so highly of you and your um the courses that for for me you're helping me you're helping educate me which is helping my business grow which is helping me educate my clients which that you know the ripple effect um and and I know that your principles and values as well really stand out in the industry because I know you have some strong values thank you I really appreciate that and actually one of the things that you've just said there is is kind of one of the things I do want to achieve is not just educating people in our industry, but educating them so customers yeah. are more educated. It really annoys me when people are buying jewellery or gemstones and they're not getting all of the information they need to, buy, to, to make an informed buying decision. I love all types of jewellery, 
all types of gemstone, whether it's a piece of plastic that comes out of a cracker or <laughs> whether it is uber fine jewelry that's millions of pounds with the world's most expensive gemstones. I don't care what the jewelry is yeah. because it's about what the jewelry represents. And it's and as long as the person who is getting that jewelry, whether they're buying it, receiving it or what have you, they know what it is and they are they are they are buying it or they're getting it with their eyes wide open. You know, because if you go, I would like a piece of plastic and that's what I want and that's what you want. Great. Have that. It's about making you happy. It's about you loving it. And it's not right or wrong, whatever materials or whatever you have. What is wrong is if you've bought something thinking it's something else. And so I would love for consumers to know more about this stuff so that they can really get stuff that they deserve. Amazing. And as we're talking about this, what's just come into my head is, well, this is very much you and how you you want to be your most authentic self and you want to be <laughs> true to you actually what you're helping others you're helping others have the knowledge to be honest in the jewelry industry you're helping the jewelry industry be transparent and be authentic and and i think that's yeah i think that's brilliant i hope so you hope so good okay <laughs> so jewelry then i believe that we carry much of our legacy in our jewelry um and I think that um, it's, you know, it's what's passed down through generations. Generally, you know, you might end up with your nan's wedding ring or, um, or I don't know, I, I've, my mum's given me a bangle. So it's just part of um, that belong that my dad gave to her. So it's part of different stories of different parts of people's lives all get tied together in jewellery and we carry much of our memory in it. It's like you said, it's what it's not what jewellery is, it's what it represents. So can you talk to me about a special piece of jewellery that you own that carries some form of legacy? Now, I imagine you're going to have to go down into this massive treasure box of jewellery that you probably own. So um, go for it. Do you know what? don't have a massive treasure box of jewelry but it's also really difficult for me to then choose one piece yeah because pretty much all of the jewelry that I currently own means something to me there's a reason for it even if it's pieces that I've bought myself that has just as much meaning because I bought it because I deserved it I felt like I'd earned it so I have a number of pieces that mean something to me so like the, the the jewelry that I'm wearing today is a set of opal jewellery, which actually um, is jewellery that I bought for my mother-in-law. And she used to wear, she didn't used to wear the earrings because she couldn't get them on because she had arthritic fingers, but she wore the opal ring every day. And the amount of time she she nearly crashed her car because as the opal flashed colour at her, it caught her eye and made her smile. So she didn't pay attention on where she was going. Um, so it's that. And then there's, there's a brooch as well. And um, when she died, I said to Andrew, can I have those pieces that your mum had? Because I knew how much she loved them. And it wasn't that I wanted them back. It was more that I wanted that because I knew Jasmine loved them. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. I've got um, I've got a garnet pendant that um, I bought on the very first weekend away I ever went with Andrew, and we went to this gorgeous little village in Cornwall called Lost Withiel. We went into an antique centre, um, and I was around the corner from him, and he went, "Oh, come and have a look at this lovely pendant." I thought, "Oh God, what hideous artifact has he found?" <laughs> and I was expecting to have to come over and see this 
absolutely ugly piece of jewellery and it wasn't it was totally glorious I was like oh my god he's actually got good taste and it was and it was marked up wrong as well it said it was nine karat gold and I could see that it was definitely not nine karat gold the the gold was just too yellow too orange I was like that's at least 18 karat gold so I asked him to take it out it was on a really flimsy nine karat gold chain which is why and I looked at it and I was like this is a lovely I was like it's it's, I'm pretty sure this is a rhodolite garnet you cannot identify gemstones from looking at them but you can you can recognize them when you've got a experience with materials was like I'm pretty sure this is a red like garnet like this is an antique piece of jewellery and so I was like oh how much do you want for it and they were like oh 75 pounds and I was like oh I can't possibly pay 75 pounds it's a crack in the garnet and there was a crack in the garnet and so I said I'll give you 50 quid for it and the woman was like well it's not my cabinet so I I can't make the decision I was like okay I'll go for a pint and I'll come back and they let me have it for 50 quid and I was like this is definitely you know better than that this was when I worked in the pawnbrokers I took it in on the Monday morning got it XRF'd and it is like 21 karat gold showed it to my friend Joanna Worley at the V&A and she's like yeah it's mid 19th century was part of a bigger necklace which I I could already see and it is probably one of the cheapest pieces of jewellery that I've now got because I don't tend to wear costume jewellery anymore having been in the jewellery industry for a while you know you 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 amass jewellery don't you know not that I've got tons of expensive pieces but it also has despite the fact that I bought it for myself he didn't buy it for me afterwards he went oh I would have bought that for you I said well you didn't stump up the money when we're in the shop did we Um, and so I so I bought it myself but it felt like he chose it for me and so it's an incredibly special piece of jewellery and then I suppose the I've I've got I've got loads I've literally got like another three or four that I could talk about go and choose one more one more so then the other one that I've got is um my not wedding ring yes and so this one is one that again I bought myself (laughs) I also bought Andrew's not wedding ring as well okay but this was, I always wanted this. And this was, this wasn't, this was my ring before it became my not wedding ring. I wanted this ring. Um, I wanted a ring like this. It's made by a designer called Justin Duance, who's down in Penzance, who I utterly adore. And I've done some work with him training his staff. And we've done a lot of different p- uh, bits and pieces backwards and forwards. But I just I fell in love with this jewellery when I was there. So I was like, I want a piece of his jewellery. And so this is a ring that is, it's cast in sand. But it's not cast in just any old sand. It's cast in the sand from the beach that I played on as a child. Oh, my God. And it's set with orange, brown and yellow diamonds, um, which this bit isn't particularly exciting. It's just it happens to be a parcel of diamonds, that, recycled diamonds that I had in stock that I was like, they'd look lovely in that ring. So, yeah. I, so I gave it to Justin to work with. But the gold, again, came from my mother-in-law. Yeah. It wasn't long after she died and we had all of her jewellery in the house to um, to value, etc. Um, and it was a 22 karat gold wedding band that she had inherited from her mother-in-law. Wow. And so I'd said to Andrew that I wanted to get this ring made and I particularly wanted it in 22. And I'd actually bought some 22 karat gold scrap to have the ring made. He then saw what I wanted to have made. He went, oh, well, I want one of those as well. He went, oh, I'll sell this 22 karat gold red wedding ring of mum's to pay for it. And I went, okay, well, I'll buy that off you then because I want it. And he then sort of must have had a bit of um, conscience. And he went, oh, you can have the ring. I was like, oh, thank you very much. So he actually gave me the ring um, oh. and I had that. So then this is cast from my mother-in-law's wedding ring. Um, that she had from her mother-in-law in the sand that I played in on the beach. But then Andrew decided that he didn't want to be left out and he wanted one. So he's also got a matching, as it were, not wedding ring. Yeah. But his is in platinum, 
Yeah. And his is cast in the sand from the beach that he grew up on oh as a God. child. And that one also then incorporates his mother's actual wedding ring, the, yeah. the platinum wedding ring that she wore every single day of her life. And Justin melted that into the band. Wow. Um, and so we that's what we've got. That's incredible. I love that. Has, has Andrew's got diamonds in it? No. No. Just interested. I love that. That's... He's not really a diamond yeah no stereotypically I couldn't imagine him with a, with diamonds but yeah amazing what beautiful stories I, lo- I just like anyway we'll not carry on otherwise we'll be here all afternoon no. but we'll be here all day yeah okay so have you ever had a piece of jewelry redesigned I know you've uh, you've well, that one, about that one yes I'm actually in the middle of having something else <laughs> redesigned right now talk to me about that um, so I inherited from my father a brooch that has five old mine cut diamonds in it which was my grandmother's um, and I'm having that remade by um, and I'm really sorry Rosanna not you um, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm gonna get you to do something I'm gonna get you to do my pink tourmaline I think by um, Andrew Ashcroft because uh, again I adore his work and yeah. I desperately want to own a piece of it and the way that he carves his rings the way that he does that is just absolutely perfect for these old cut diamonds and it's and it's absolutely a ridiculous amount well it's not a ridiculous amount of money not for his his craftsmanship but it's a ridiculous amount of money for me to spend wow. on this piece of jewelry but I know it's going to be something that literally I will wear loads and it has so much meaning to it um but I I regularly have stuff redesigned yeah. because I guess you've worked in, with antiques haven't you yeah yeah I think being in the industry you know what's possible and what isn't possible yeah. and your eyes are open to so much more and you know our imaginations get run away with us and we're like what can we do with this what can we do with that so I think that one thing I love about our industry is there are so many different designers and there are so many different styles and there's so many different people who do different things and you speak about the old mine cuts would look amazing in this carved ring and I think that's that's what's incredible about the people that we get to meet in the industry and how everybody puts a different stamp on everything. People ask me what my specific style is. And I say, well, I don't really, I don't really have a style because I think I, what I do is quite classic. It's quite timeless. It's, but what, what, what I do is I think my style is actually, there is so much, it, it's about the sentiment and it's about the emotion. And that's why I love remodeling old jewelry. So it's for different people. It is so many different things. So really, you also you don't need to apologize that I'm not doing it. <laughs> I, do, I, mean, I think with, with regards to your style, when I look at your jewelry, there's one thing that, 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 that stands out for me is the quality of the workmanship. You know, you do see lots of people nowadays doing remodeling and the quality of what they do is not up there. And so I think your point about classic jewellery is, 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 it's not only is it classic jewellery, it's fine jewellery, mm. you know, the craftsmanship, the workmanship, it's, it's proper jewellery, well made. Um, that's one thing that stands out for me. But the other thing is, I think, and it's, this might be a, a weird thing to say, but I think that your jewellery, it is classic, but it's modern classics. Mm. 
You know, it's not, they're not old fashioned. They're not, they're not just classic three stones or whatever. It's clear when I see pieces that you've remodeled that a piece of the person you're making that for has gone into that ring and you've really got to know them. You've got to know what they want, how they want it to look, what it, what it means to them. And then you've turned it into this modern mini masterpiece that that absolutely typifies the emotion behind it, but is something that is beautifully made and will, will last for years. Oh, thank you. And no, I didn't pay her to say any of that. <laughs> I've got emails where I've said that before and LinkedIn posts as well. So it's, you know, there's history of me saying that yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And I remember when we first spoke, we spoke about the the uh, mini masterpieces, didn't we? I, I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Amazing. But they are they're works of art. You know, they're, they're your art and they're your, you know, they're your passion as well. And that's the other thing is you like when when you have a piece of jewellery, there's not just a piece of the person who receives it. There's a piece of the maker in there as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, and that this is the thing that is so difficult because I actually don't want or need any more jewellery. <laughs> but when I meet new makers and I hear their story, I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. I want one of theirs. I want something that they've made because I love them and I want a piece of their jewellery. And yeah. when you when you get to meet the maker and you get to hear the story behind them and the story behind their journey and how they make jewellery and how they feel about it, you can't help but go, oh, my God, I want some of that. Yeah, I know. I know. And people, well, so... I don't wear many other designers' pieces of jewellery. That doesn't mean I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I um, I think one day when I have a boutique, I'd like to have other people's pieces in my store because I think it's uh, that we we there is so much talent, so many different stories, so many different pieces of art. It would, yeah, it all needs celebrating. I think. Yeah, totally agree. Amazing. So, right, lastly, here's a big one. Um, What advice can you give to other people about living a meaningful life and leaving their own legacy? Um, I'm not sure I'm the best person to give advice to anybody, certainly on sort of, you know, life. But I suppose (laughs) if if asked, it it is really, it always goes back to being you. Don't be afraid to be you. And you said earlier about people being afraid of being alone because they won't be loved. Mm. There's no point being loved by the wrong person when you're not being you because you'll never be happy anyway. Whatever you are, whoever you are, is good enough, is is right. Be you and you will attract the people who will love you. Yeah, there you go. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) I've gone goosebumpy. Brilliant. Thank you. I think there is definitely something really powerful in being you. The things that happen when you really track, when you put the effort into just being you or not putting the effort into being somebody else, um, magic, magic happens. You suddenly become so much happier. You, it might be difficult to start with, but when I think when you do something that you know is right for you, whether it is leaving a relationship, whether it is moving cross country or to a different country or it's marrying somebody that you love when you do something you know is for you there is massive power and magic in that yeah I agree amazing well Kerry thank you so much I could talk to you about jewelry and everything for hours probably but next time we won't record it and we'll just do it over some gin (laughs) yeah that was literally what I was about to say so yes you're you are absolutely on thank you very much amazing 
When I hear Kerry's advice about you being you, the question that popped into my head straight away is, are you afraid to be yourself? And perhaps this is something that we can all reflect on as we move forward in our life. Magic truly does happen when we're less afraid to be ourselves and can act from a more authentic place, aligned with our values, whatever they may be. I think it's something really important to know about ourselves. I find Kerry's journey into a career that was obviously made for her really interesting as well because it's similar to my own in that we can both relate our passions for gems and jewellery to what we we remember from being children, playing with rocks and collecting shiny things in my case. I don't know how many vials of those gemstones I used to have but I mean today I have boxes of gemstones and piles of crystals so I'm obviously doing the right thing. But if you aren't sure what your passion is and perhaps you're considering a career change, have a think back to when you were a child and what did you love doing? Which games did you love playing? Um, And that's a pretty good indicator, I think, as to what we should be doing today. Knowing what you're passionate about and living this as much as you can will help you on your legacy building journey. Because remember that we are all leaving a legacy and only we can control what that legacy will be. I really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation and if you did and you listen on Apple, please give us a rating or a review. Please share this with a friend who you think might find this interesting. Perhaps you were given the feels when we spoke about Kerry's jewellery because some of those stories gave me goosebumps and perhaps you can resonate. If you're interested in designing or redesigning some jewellery, then please contact me on Instagram or reach out through the Rosanna Croft Jewellery website and we can have a coffee and a chat about your story and your ideas. You can follow the wonderful Kerry through the links in the show notes and learn more about gemstones through her website or her Facebook page where she does some wonderful live calls, which are loads of fun as well as really informative and interesting. Have a wonderful day and thank you so much for listening. I would also like to thank everybody for listening to Design Your Legacy. Every listener, every rating, every comment means so much to me because I know that hopefully this has had a positive impact on your day and maybe even your life, as I find a lot of inspiring stories can. As part of my wider mission, I want to encourage and support women all around the world to live their best life possible. And one way that I'm doing this is for every woman I interview on the podcast I am giving a micro business loan to a woman in Malawi to help support her in entrepreneurship so thank you once again for listening I really hope you've enjoyed the episode and have a wonderful